Flavor Odyssey is brought to you by Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, and Smokin' Cigars, voted number one in selection and customer service. A Flavor Odyssey. And now from Cigar Dojo Studio Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Raz and Randy Griggs. And the Odyssey continues. What's up, Dojo Nation? Welcome to another episode of Flavor Odyssey. I'm your host, Robbie Raz. It's our co-host. I think you're on that side still, Randy. Randy Griggs coming to you from Lot B and Lot B- minus out here in uh, sunny California. Randy, how are you feeling today? I am doing extraordinarily well, actually. Super excited about the show. I feel like we haven't been on in weeks. I've been so busy with uh, everything going on at work. Uh, I feel like I haven't seen or talked to any of you guys in forever, but um, I did teach myself how to make jalapeno bacon just for this episode, so I'm pretty excited about that and uh, see what we're going to do here today. That's, uh, that's fantastic. I tried to make... Uh, candied bacon, emphasis on tried. We'll get into that later <laughs> in the show. Um, this is uh, so we're here with a wild card episode. We have finished the first uh, uh, the first segment of season two. We call them segments. Uh, we wrapped up, if you will, the first segment of uh, season two. Here with a wild card episode, Randy, brought to you by the fine folks, Drew Estate, Drew Estate Cigars, the rebirth, a rebirth of cigars. Uh, appreciate all of their support um, over at Drew Estate. Um, we have, Randy, a special guest tonight, but we are going to get into that in a second. I'm going to introduce the boys back in Colorado. All the cameras work in there, boys. Well, hello, hello. Here we are. It's Wednesday night, hump day, and I can't be more excited about bacon, bacon in general. Oh. I think our bacon just arrived as the show was starting. Oh, look at this. No, it didn't have any delivery. Oh, it's in the oven. It's Oh, bacon in the oven. So maybe by the end of the show. We might even have a special guest here in Dojo Studios at the end of the show. Anthony, and he's going, if it's done, Anthony, if it's done, he's going to describe how he makes, kind of, he doesn't want to give away all of his, like, you know, 11 herbs and spices secrets, but... He's going to tell us how he makes his uh, candied sriracha bacon. It's insane. Mm. Mm. Okay, I can't see you guys. Are you are you wearing matching shirts again today? No, no, but I am wearing the same shirt I wore last week. Not washed either. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that Unnecessarily is, admitted to. By the way. That is fantastic. That is you went one step too far with that uh, description there, though. <laughs> uh, so as you guys alluded to, this is our cigar and bacon pairing show. And why on earth are we pairing cigar with bake with cigars with bacon? Because 
our good friend Fred Ruiz here with us. Fred, thanks for hanging out with us, man. Yeah, yeah. I actually thought this was the Westworld episode, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and bow out. I, I <laughs> total mistake on my part. Um, <laughs> no, it's great to be here, man. It's good to see you guys. It really is. It's I didn't know if I was supposed you. to wear a mask. Do I have to wear a mask on Zoom, or are we good, or I don't know. I mean, there's the camera adds 10 pounds. I have two cameras, so do the math, so just, you know, don't judge me. Um, you know, I have a drink. I have. I had to move into the garage. So um, it wasn't intentional. I was actually out on the patio, which isn't covered, and there's, like, storm coming. So now I just look like that obnoxious guy that has a gladiator behind him, you know? Yep. I mean, just not so, – <laughs> I wasn't oh, going to oh, say anything. So you're, you're, you're that guy. You've got to – you know, it's like – because I only have – this is the only place to park my car. So um, it was weird. You can only do what you can do. We appreciate you being here. Uh, you but literally. I have, I have single friend. malt. I have single malt. I have cigars. I have bacon. I have backup drinks. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to roll. You are dialed in. That's awesome. I, I, you know, I almost went uh, with a brown spirit. Uh, I ended up going with brown beer, actually. But we'll get into our pairings here in a minute. And this is, you know, we're not really. I don't. I don't know if this is even a thumbs up, thumbs down episode. We're just gonna hang out and chat about uh, whatever pops into our tiny little heads and and uh, and go from there. But uh, Randy, let us know what you are smoking and drinking. All right. So I have prepared. I have um, four. Let's start with the, the food component. So that is very exciting for me as uh, I've done a lot of food pairings with beer in the past. We've never done any food pairings on this show since I can't see the screen. I'm just going to guess that maybe you guys can see. I've gone with two selections of bacon here this afternoon. I have a natural applewood smoked thick cut Neiman Ranch uh, bacon here. That's a paler colored one. The darker one would be my first attempt at making a jalapeno version of the same bacon. I am going to be pairing that with a locally sourced brewery here in uh, San Francisco, California, uh, called Cellar Maker Brewing Company. And they make this, uh, this coconut bulletproof porter. I'll tell you guys a little bit about as we go back around. And I will be smoking the Viaje Pepper Series jalapeno cigar because I just thought it was fitting. Now, uh, can you confirm if that is infused with pepper? Uh, jalapeno pepper. Most definitely not infused with any such uh, thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, you, there's not much you can say about these because Andre chooses to um, leave this whole series um, un unreleased uh, uh, blend. Uh, we know that it comes from uh, the Agnorsa Leaf uh, factory in Esteli, and that's about it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, Fred, what's uh, what's your pairing situation looking like? I know you said you got a single malt going, but uh, I do. What are you drinking? I, have, what are you I have a locally sourced uh, Balvini Doublewood. Um, <laughs> so, and, and by locally off my own shelf. Uh, I have a couple cigars in the lineup. I was going to kind of skip around. I wasn't sure. So uh, actually, I, I actually picked out the first cigar I picked out, which I do every once in a while. And I have a tendency to when I'm on, on uh, this show for some reason. I always go for something different. This was the very first cigar that I blended in Nicaragua, which was the 1386. So mm. it's it's super simplistic blend. Uh, Candega, Jalapa, Esli, Lajero. Uh, it's the blend that I had talked about on shows years later that I never would have made because I would have screwed it up because I didn't. I knew too much later, so I would have I would have overcomplicated it. Smoking great. This is the pre-release blend on that. 
Uh, I have two backups in case this sucks. No, it won't. But um, I've never done, I mean, as much as I'm into bacon, I've never done a bacon pairing like consciously. I mean, I've eaten bacon while I've smoked cigars, but I never. And so like when you sent that over and you're like, uh, and it, it's funny because you're going to have to tell the story of how this all unraveled to the bacon book, by the way. But um, I have two cigars. I have an original Quanky Blanco or the name change. So that's four different countries of cigars there. And then I don't know if this guy's really on everybody's radar. I'm sure you guys know of um, Luis Falto, who has been around for about 20 years, uh, does you know small batch stuff out of La Aurora. Um, he just sent me a box of his 20-year anniversary cigar uh, right here. And I smoked it the other day, and I really, really liked it. He was somebody at the show at IPCPR last year. Uh, it was still IPPCR. Yes, it was IPCPR mm -hmm. last year. Uh, the, um, that people would come to me and say, Hey, you know, w what's new, what's out, you know, what's, you know, and I said, well, are you looking for something mainstream? Or are you looking for something that like nobody really knows about that you can put on your, hum in your humidor that's a really good cigar. And, uh, every, uh, there were probably about five shops that I walked over to Luis's booth and introduced them and they all came back and they smoked the cigar and they're like, damn, this is really good. And it's a guy, he's completely under the radar. He doesn't, I don't think he really cares how big the company gets. Uh, you know, he, he's, he just blends them for himself. Um, but a wicked palate and talk about a wine guy. This guy knows, I thought I knew a lot of wines from my, my past wine snobbery days. Uh, he buries me in wine, but he's got that palate. So when he blends cigars, uh, very, very impressive. So I've got that one also as a backup. I've got two different cuts of bacon. I was supposed to have a third, but apparently it's not arriving till tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's so tune in tomorrow, but it'll be, uh, some steak cut <laughs> bacon from, uh, Nooski's. Uh, if we hang out on the show for about 12 hours, it's an 8 a.m. delivery. So, hey, you know, you never know. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what I've got. Oh, and then I've got a backup drink, too. This was from Abe at Smoke Inn. He gave this to me. This is Rattlesnake Rosie's Maple Bacon uh, oh, yeah. Flavored Whiskey. Oh, and, I had that. Uh, pro tip, Bloody Mary. Make a mm. spicy Bloody Mary out of this, and that is the bomb. So we so did have a chance to try that. Yeah, we had we tried that Rosie's at uh, Boynton Beach at the last um, uh, Dojo release. Maybe not the last one, but the uh, the, the Far Eastern uh, and Smoke Inn. Uh, since you brought up Abe, is actually a sponsor of the show and make sure that we have cigars to smoke for this show. And like to give a shout out to Smoke Inn. Yeah, he Beautiful. was not wrong when he, when, he, when he pointed that my way. He gave me a bottle when I was down there, and then he says, you got to make Bloody Marys. And I made a regular Bloody Mary, and he says, no, you got to make a spicy Bloody Mary. And he was absolutely right. The difference between a regular Bloody Mary and a spicy Bloody Mary, it's way better as a spicy Bloody Mary. Without the spice, uh, it's almost a little too sweet. Um, but it definitely smells like, it, you know, it's bacon-infused or something, or I don't, know, I don't know what they put in there. But um, it, it's actually pretty tasty when you, when you know what to pair with it. Randy, we got that does a sound uh, good. audience question. Can you explain the different cuts of bacon? No, please keep moving, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Can't thought you would have but been you, prepared you, for that. But but you promised to tell the story about how you invented bacon. <laughs> uh, well, I, I do have a ton of information uh, prepared for tonight. Is my concern here, and as you <laughs> oh, guys God. know, not yet. Yeah, yeah. Fred, Fred hasn't spent a lot of time around me yet, but you guys know I have the uh, tendency to be loquacious, 
And so um, I, I'm going to try and stick to the script first. And uh, if we have some, some time at the end, we can go back and talk about uh, the, the uh, beauties of meat processing and the different cuts of meat. You know, you know in like a superhero movie, uh, Robbie, when like the superhero finally like gets the bad guy cornered or whatever, and then the bad guy... Like he all of a sudden he gets the good guy cornered, the superhero cornered, and then for some reason he monologues for like an hour. That's essentially. I Randy. was just thinking That's that. Essentially, I was Randy. Just thinking that. Yeah. He has to tell everybody his his evil plan, and uh, and, and where everybody fits into it. And. That time I, fighting in the French Revolution. You know what? Um, I'm not even mad about that. I totally would be the monologuing red guy. <laughs> that's, that's me to yeah. a T. What was the cartoon that they made fun of that? Uh, I love that cartoon. The movie. Uh, they made two. The, uh, not Impossible. Uh, uh, the Incredibles. Oh. Incredibles. Yeah. They Cameron. <laughs> you caught me monologuing. <laughs> exactly. That's that's Randy. Hey, should we, uh, Jordan, should we tell them our, our, what we're pairing? Yeah, what do you got? We are pairing a Station 26 double IPA. This is locally sourced. It's super good. (laughs) And it really is out of Denver, Colorado. Double IPA. Very tasty. I've got an Avo uh, 30th right there. Oh, I don't know what it is. I just grabbed it out of the humidor, to be honest with you. I got some (laughs) bourbon, too, that Matt brought to me. I don't even know what it is. And soon we'll have Anthony's Bacon, which is coming up. You're flying blind. I love it. Yeah, so we're ready. Know, right? We are so. I mean, I, I mean, look, cigar, bourbon, beer, bacon. What more do you want, fellas? Come on. Literally all the food groups. I need the bacon Literally, it's, stat. It's, it's all I'm... we got, people. If this if this doesn't keep you on the show, I don't know what does. This is all we got. <laughs> we blew we blew it all in the first like fifteen minutes. This is it. There, there is there is no scripts, no show outline. Right, Jordan Jordan. Hold on, oh, let's let's got? let's get let's get Anthony on here real quick. Hey, hey. Anthony, pop down, put these on. Now, here's the th- let me do a little quick backstory, and then I'm gonna just give the show to you guys for the rest of the time. But I gotta get Anthony on here because Anthony has been bringing this bacon for maybe three years to the studio. By the way, Anthony, welcome to the show. Hello. You've never you've never ever been on. Welcome to the show. Okay, let me go uh, re- wash my hands real quick. Just kidding. You need a mic for him there. Oh, here we go. This is your mic, Anthony. Hello, everybody. If you can get in on that. We're all professionals. All right, so you got to get real up close to that when you talk. All right. So, Anthony, this bacon, <laughs> right. uh, if, I can show, if I can show this somehow, it is the most incredible thing that you can eat in your life. But it's it's what candied sriracha it's a bacon. Sriracha candied bacon. Closer, closer. Just get right up in there. It's a sriracha candied bacon <laughs> with a bunch of other special herbs that I can't mention. Now you've got this. It always comes pre-cut like that. Yes. And I think it coats more of the bacon. It's in little chewy pieces, and it's oh ridiculous. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. So wait, just chewy. you know, without giving away the secret. Yes. How do you eating on this show is a bad you, idea? How do you cook <laughs> How yeah. do you cook this? How well. do you cook this, Anthony? I like to cut it up first and then cook it. Yeah, are we talking oven cooking here? No, Smart. no, in a pan. So you pan. you cut it up in a pan. Yep. You cook it. Cook it. And then you coat it in and whatever. And I coat it in the special mixture. Oh, dude, I gotta tell you. And it works. This is is a no, perfect pairing is this, with cigars. Is, this, is it a is it a cast iron pan or just a regular Teflon just, pan just or a what? You know, Teflon pan, nothing crazy. Okay, all right. But you want to get it crispy first before you put any kind of 
mixture mm. on top. So, so I, uh, I gotta ask. So, are you uh, pouring out the the fat as you go? So, so yes. as to allow it to. Okay. Yeah, that keeps it nice and crispy. All right. And then, um, and then once you actually put whatever you're going to put on there, you want it to. If it's like a candy type, if you're putting sugar, it caramelizes on there, and that way it's kind of, you know, crunchy but also a little bit chewy. Well, I gotta say. Jordan, uh, it is the best bacon I've ever had. Vouch for me on this. If there was ever a bacon competition, like Randy was in the, uh, like Randy was in the, um, Ooh, maybe when we do the uh, party later this year, we have like, a, bacon a, a bacon, a bacon off. off. You know, I, I think love it. I want this to be. This bacon needs to be in the contest somehow. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll judge. I'll judge. Well, oh, thank you, Anthony. You're thank welcome. you for you coming got, on the show. Cup. Hope you like it. <laughs> Tony Bones. Tony Thank Bones, you. ladies and gentlemen. Tony Bones. Tony Bones. Tony Bones right there. Appreciate that, brother. No problem. Now, right give me oh, all yeah. that bacon. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a heart attack on a plate. Guys, I'm working on an empty stomach here. I need to eat this bacon now or else I'm going to be Strat. drunk in about five seconds. All right, before we get too far, uh, Rob, I, you want to finish up the, the, the roundabout and tell us what you're smoking and drinking? Thanks, Randy. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to get this show back on the rails. I, know. I appreciate it. So, Aaron's um, got a mouthful of bacon. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Wait. okay. If so, help me God, Rob, you say locally sourced. I'm out of here. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, uh, I am smoking a uh, – it's, it's sourced from my humidor. The, um, the Tabernacle Havana Seed CT-142 – in the Corona size, this cigar is nothing short, gentlemen, of sublime. Absolutely fantastic smoke from Foundation. I wanted to go with something. It's not super spicy, but I really probably, in retrospect, I, I wanted to go with something a bit bigger and beefier, and I probably should have given the, the flavor uh, uh, components I have going here. Two styles of bacon. I'm not going to show you, but uh, I will show you. I did do some candy bacon Candied bacon of my own. I don't know if y'all can see that. Glistening in the light. Very, very sexy. Um, that is... Uh, ooh, we need some dojo napkins, I'll tell you. Um, we, uh, I, I shared that in the, <clears throat> on the show page. It's just a, res a recipe from like Food and Wine magazine. It's super, super simple. You just put some... Um, it's just brown sugar and uh, chili powder. But it says to cook it at 400 degrees. Don't do it. 400 degrees for 20 minutes. I did 400 degrees for 10 minutes. My smoke alarm was going off. And I ended up with half of the batch looking like that. So I was able to... Mm, very tasty. These, uh, a lot of finger-licking sounds and lip-smacking going yeah. on on this episode. Sorry for uh, running the podcast version. Salvage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, at least if you're watching, you get the benefit of seeing the bacon. If you're, you're listening, you just listen to... So some guys just chatting. Anyway, uh, and some regular, uh, some regular applewood smoked bacon. The uh, <clears throat> Safeway that's near me has uh, the butcher always does a nice job with their bacon, so I went in and picked up some there. And Fred, sorry, much to your chagrin, I am drinking a locally sourced beer from sure. uh, my that I work with called uh, Laughing Monk Brewing. And I got this idea from Randy. Now, normally, I try not to listen too much what Randy says. But this time, for whatever reason, he was speaking my language, and he was talking about going with a sweeter porter. And I said, you know, we make a pretty damn good coffee porter. And I thought coffee, porter, bacon, that all is kind of working for me. 
So I went with that. This is our uh, Twilight Coffee Porter um, featuring also locally sourced coffee from Andy Town Coffee Roasters in San Francisco. So, so far, this is all working out very, very well. I, I would, we could just get it all out of the way. Let's just give it a thumbs up. Everything's good. It's bacon, it's beer, it's, it's cigars. It's really not, uh, it's not rocket science. It's, it all takes I mean, is there, good. is, is there really anything bacon doesn't pair with though? I mean, really? I mean, Question. we all have completely different drinks and we're all like, Hey, this is really good. It's good to the cigar. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, it's like an adult's brinner, you know, it's breakfast for dinner. You got coffee porter, you got scotch, you got, I mean, it's not just for breakfast. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. I thought about, you know, what would not go well, and I thought maybe like a really juicy IPA. So I'm curious, boys, how is that double IPA, Eric, as you shovel more of that into your mouth? Well, <laughs> this isn't really a juicy. This isn't really a juicy IPA. It's on the just a regular, oh, regular double IPA coast side, coast. and like I have to dang. say, I'm gravitating a little bit more towards the bourbon that Matt brought me. Matt, what's this? Yeah, that'd be better. It's an old Forester, so you know I'm just I'm gravitating towards that. Just so you know, that seems uh, that seems like a good choice, um, Randy. Why don't you get into one of your little spiel's about uh, about how to about about the different cuts of bacon or whatever that question was? But pro tip: digestible pieces. Just like when your kid is going to be a little bit older and you're feeding him steak. Cut digestible pieces, real small chunks. I don't even know what to say about that. So uh, I'll go ahead and just uh, say, uh, I'll go into. Um, so I'm going to touch on the coffee that, that that I'm drinking. Like you said, it's called uh, it's called the Coconut Bulletproof Porter. So I'm not sure if everybody's heard of Bulletproof Coffee. Um, this is a coffee and coconut porter, uh, and a seller maker used. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, the, uh, uh, so the coffee was also uh, from San Francisco Sight Glass Coffee, uh, but Bulletproof Coffee. No, I, I looked this stuff up. I gotta share it. I'm excited about it now. Uh, so Bulletproof Coffee. Do you know what that is, Rob? What Bulletproof Coffee is? Keto yeah. Coffee. Ooh, Jordan knows like, what's up. Like really, really strong coffee. Uh, like it, Bulletproof. It, it is stronger coffee. Fred, you're familiar. I see you nodding over there, right? Yeah. Aren't you supposed to put butter in it or something? Oh, yeah. 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 So um, some people will tell you that it, it's not even a, as much about the butter. It's about the coconut yeah. oil specifically. But the most common way oh, okay. is, is that you put butter and you add coconut oil. Um, coconut oil uh, has um, medium chain triglycerides, which are very easily processed fats and gives a lot of energy. And so... Uh, to Jordan's point, it, it was adopted and, and popularized by the keto diet folks. Um, it was a way to completely just replace your breakfast with this super high energy, high protein um, coffee in the morning. But yeah, can you, I, I know Rob's drank some pretty odd coffees in, in his travels. But uh, but yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Coconut oil and butter uh, in a in a very strong cup of joe. And then uh, so, so wait 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 wait. wait, wait. I've I have a question. All right. So, like, you just put, like, you, you melt butter and put it you in blend there? Blend it up. Or how does that work? Yeah, exactly. Yep. You blend the butter with the coffee? Yeah, you in, in you throw in your teaspoon of sugar, if you so please, a pat of butter, and a little shot of coconut oil. And it's a, um, 
it's supposed to give you a more filling. Uh, you know, again, it's the idea is to replace breakfast. So you're you're supposed to be cutting out carbs with with your breakfast and adding back the the protein and energy um, with this ridiculous concoction of butter and coffee. <laughs> I am super intrigued. I think I might. I'm a, well. I can't say I'm going to try it tomorrow morning, but I think I might. It, and it doesn't matter the kind of coffee. It's any kind of coffee. Right. Any cup. It's it, it just turns into basically like a creamer. It's good. But don't use uh, don't use salted butter. That's not quite as good. Oh, yeah. It's all it's it's a little oily for me. Like you, you definitely like it's 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 got a little bit. I mean, you definitely know you've got some oils that you're drinking. But I've done it before, and uh, it, it's a meal. I mean, you know, they're they're not lying as far as energy and everything like that. It's actually pretty good. Huh. I've never in my life heard of this, but I mean, I've heard of the coffee beans that like the monkeys eat the coffee and then poop it out and then. People making into coffee and drink it. That sounds. I'm not ready for that. But I'm ne- that's. I've never heard of this. That's interesting. Okay, and because it was a question, I won't really leave everybody hanging. So, uh, pork belly is the the meat and fat cap on the outside of there the rib cage of, of the pig. It's also a tradable commodity. Pork wow. belly, indeed, indeed. It's a. It's an. Have you not watched Trading Spaces? <laughs> Exactly, exactly where I learned about pork belly. Uh, and so, uh, pork, so bacon technically is salt cured pork belly sliced up, uh, is, is the, the short, simple way to reference it. Awesome. Wait, see, <laughs> that's it, it? Digestible pieces. No, that's perfect. Like, I've had, but you, now we, you've trained the audience though, so you kind of, that was maybe a little too digestible. Yeah. Uh, so instead of a, all right, so let me tell you about this pig named out. Steve. All right, so <laughs> so me and my buddy went in on a full pig named Steve last year. This is how I kind of learned about, uh, you know. Yeah, no, 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 it's this pig named Steve, and uh, he he ate uh, French toast as a treat on the weekends. Uh, he was he was hand uh, fed and, and raised in a huge property, and I'll tell you what, no kidding, the meat is so much more flavorful than any pork I've ever had in my life than the one time I've gone in on this pig that just like was raised happy in the mountains locally to my house. <laughs> hey Fred, Delicious. hey Fred, do you does it matter to you how the pig was raised when you eat your bacon? Does it matter to you? Do you think about it in your head? Um uh, I don't. I would like them to be humanely raised. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I'm like, look, I read Charlotte's web when I was a kid, I was kind of like, you know, that's all great, but you know, the farmer didn't have bacon that year. So I, 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 I gotta see both sides on this, you know, um, but no, I, I mean, I, I've heard it with cows and, and obviously Wagyu and all the other stuff. Um, but, uh, I have not heard, you know, necessarily diet related things to, and I certainly have never heard French toast being fed to pigs, but I mean, you know, that's. I guess that's like the coffee thing. It's all one meal. If you give it enough French toast, then you've got your breakfast and bacon in the same bite. So, boom. <laughs> it, it's just a perfect answer. Yeah. That was perfect. I love it. Um, so, Fred, I've got uh, Randy did some. Randy did a deep dive on your history. How do you feel about that? Uh, you know what? I was young. I needed the money. We we were going to leave that part out, but another, another Tell great answer. Oh. streets of oh. Wisconsin. <laughs> that's right. Hey, I didn't leave Wisconsin for a while because I didn't know we were allowed to. So just for the record, that's, that's why I was there for a while. 
I've never been to Wisconsin. It's a beautiful state. Beautiful state. You got to get you got to get north, but like it, it's it's kind of like everybody thinks they know what Texas is until they get to Austin and see that there's actually trees and mountains or or not really mountains but hills. Wisconsin, like the top like two thirds of the state, there's a million. Like if you're a fisherman or you just want like a cabin on a lake with trees and stuff like that, there's a ton of that. There's like the, like on Golden Pond. I don't think it was filmed there, but there's like 50 million of those lakes in Wisconsin, especially in the northern part. It's beautiful. You just don't want to be there in the winter. Yeah, I spent a little time yeah. in Milwaukee. It's gorgeous. Yeah, nobody says that. But okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. You're grading on a curve. I get it. That's fine. It's a pretty city. <laughs> it's it's all about expectations, I guess. What that's what what true. are you what are you looking for? And and then you know sometimes you, like like Randy with our pairing, like that that pairing we did with the Connecticut and uh, Chardonnay. My expectation was super, super low, and it turned out to be pretty decent. So, uh, you know, what are you going to do? So is is Milwaukee the Connecticut, or is it the Chardonnay? uh, I think it would be the Chardonnay. Okay. All right. Actually, Milwaukee would be the pairing. I wasn't expecting them to go so well together, you see. Uh, And and they did. So it's it's funny how uh, expectations can... um, well, you know, only because only because Rob's on the show, but you know, Wisconsin has the Packers, so hey, you know, there you go. <laughs> they are really good at losing to the 49ers. <laughs> oh, 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 let's go back. But, in but a little bit. I, 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 I don't know if I've told, I don't know that I've ever told this story on a show, but Aaron Rodgers was my intern for a summer. What? For one summer, I was working at UC Berkeley when he was at Cal. And it was, he transferred there. So I think it was his, uh, I don't know, it must have been his junior year. It was in between, yeah. he only played there for two seasons, I believe. And so it was in between those two seasons. And uh, for he was our summer intern. And he was just, he was just a good, I mean, I guess I could call him a kid. I don't know how much, he's, he's only like five or six years younger than me. But uh, <clears throat> he, uh, no, we, we would ask him sometimes to do like random stuff just to see if he'd do it. And he was totally cool. He just, he wouldn't, I don't think he would remember me, but I, he would definitely remember the, the internship. But it was just for a few weeks, you know. That's cool. Um, that's, that's like my, my claim to fame, which I guess is kind of sad. But man, those were some good Cal football, those are some good Cal football teams, though. They, uh, they had some serious talent on those teams. I mean, you're talking the guys who were, some of them still in the NFL. Like well, back then, back then, the Cal Stanford game was, you know, friggin' amazing all the time. So yeah, that was they were actually playing for like a Rose Bowl berth, and uh, whatever. Nobody cares about Cal football, but um, anyway, that's that's my uh, that's my claim to fame and my tie-in to what you had just said about the Packers. But um, yeah. so, Fred, you, what's it like writing a book? You've written three. I have. I have. I mean, um, is, is that something you just kind of sit down and say it's one day and say, screw it, I'm going to write a book? Or, I mean, how, how's the process? Um, yeah, I mean, kind of. So they were all three different phases of things that I was doing. The first one was um, how to, winning the cash flow war. So I was probably 22. Well, I was, I was literally bankrupt at like 19 or 20 years old. Um, had no clue. I, you know, you know, 18 years old, get a credit card, run out, spend it all up. So I went bankrupt by like 20 
Uh, in retrospect, I shouldn't have. I thought I owed a lot of money, but I, I really didn't looking back at the time. Uh, so I decided that there were two things they didn't teach you in school. One was money and one was relationships. Um, I sure, sure as hell wasn't going to teach anybody about relationships. So uh, <laughs> I decided to write a book that was going to be for high school students and people just entering college. And that's that's really what it ended up being for. They actually looked at doing it for a textbook and things like that. So it was really just a soup to nuts all about finance, because I think that half the trap that people get into is just because they don't teach you that stuff. They don't, you know, if they taught you money and relationships in school, you'd be so much better armed. And oftentimes they're intertwined. I mean, your relationship arguments are typically over money. So that was the first book. The second one was um, Be the Lime, which was, I think, 2012 somewhere in there where um, we had the marketing company had been up and running for several years. So I was writing articles, uh, you know, on a blog. I was writing articles for uh, other magazines and things like that. And I just kind of started to compile them and then turned it into a book, um, which was good. And at the time, I was also a, a National Speaker Association member. So I was doing a lot of keynotes and things like that. So having a book at that time was good. Um, the Bacon book, the uh, So Long and Thanks for All the Bacon, was really just for me. Uh, I missed the days of doing stand-up comedy. And uh, all my friends that I did stand-up comedy with, they like all went on to like TV shows and everything. And I, it was just a hobby for me. So that was a purely vanity thing of everybody that like reads my Facebook posts or whatever and says, you know, you should, you know, it'd be fun to like read more. So I just started every day for about six months. I would take a subject and I would just write about that subject. So they're all, it's a random just smattering of things in that book. Um, but I did it just, just for fun and it actually ended up selling, which totally surprised me. Um, but, um, it was, it was fun. It was just, it was just a lot of fun writing it. So you just kind of take it one bite at a time. Uh, I wish I could write, like, I've got a lot of great ideas for like fiction books or like murder mysteries and stuff like that, but I get like four pages into it and I'm like, nah, I'm out. I already know how it ends. You know, so <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't write that way. I can't, I can't write like the people like, you know, you look at like great writers, like, you know, Patterson or Stephen King or something like that. It's like, I don't know how they do it. I just don't know how they just weave these characters together and stuff like that. Because if I wrote a book, it would be like four pages long. It'd be like Spot, Spot gets murdered, and the butler did it. And okay, in the end, you know. But um, those, the, the the Bacon book was probably the most fun because it was it was really just for me. It was really like I'm just going to rant on these things, and you know, I don't know if people like it. Great if they don't like it, then you know, I'm you get your money back, I guess, from Amazon. I don't know. <laughs> so so rumor has it I, I haven't read the book. I, I did purchase it, but I have not read it. Um, which is this is, where you tell about same. why we're doing a whole bacon show? Yeah, um, I was about to say. Was, so you thought it was a recipe book for bacon? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, 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 you know, to hear that it had nothing to do with bacon, like there's no bacon in it at all. There's, there's, there's a chapter. There's a chapter on bacon. Chapter about the, bacon. The bacon idea for me was, um, well, and this is kind of a peek into. Uh, a, a cigar dojo story that I've been working on for about a year and a half now um, <clears throat> about some of my favorite social media followers in the industry or social media follows in the industry, like people to follow. And we've, Fred, you and I have been, we've been acquaintances, friends for, God, yeah. since what, 2010, 11? Yeah, yeah. It's like right from the, yeah. from the beginning, the House of Emilio days, way back in the day. Yeah. Um, so, and you've always been one of my favorites and it's, and you've, you've stepped up your game though in the past like year and a half 
where it's just everything you post is pure comedy and <laughs> not everything. I mean, sometimes you talk about serious stuff too, but for the most I part, try not, it's I try not comedy. to because if I post anything serious, it just run the over under on a post turning into hate or yelling at each other or something like that is like five comments. Yeah, and then I'm like, how did you get something political out of this? You know? And so uh, I just like, just stay in my lane. It's like one time I did a political post and like uh, uh, Pete Johnson, Jose Blanco, they all call me and they're like, dude, what are you doing? You know, I mean, are, you, are you, are you okay? Did somebody do something? And I'm like, oh, you know what? You're right. Just, just don't, don't, don't comment about that stuff. Absolutely. And like, you talk about bacon all the time. So that was where the idea I just said, look, it's it's a wild card episode. We're just going to have fun with it. And what the hell? Let's do a coffee or coffee. Let's do a uh, – well, I say coffee because I've got the coffee porter. Yeah. We'll do a bacon and cigar pairing. And I'll tell you what. This candied bacon that I make, it may not be the same as – was it Tony Slim? Is that his name? Tony Bones. Tony, Tony Bones. Oh, I was – Tony Bones. Tony Bones. Um, it's in the, it's in the show Bones. notes, but hey, okay. <laughs> Wait, there's show notes? No. His, his <laughs> recipe might be a little bit better than this, but this this pairing is really it's actually really working. I'm totally surprised. But that was where the idea came from. So I was just uh, I was just kind of spitballing on something. That I thought Am that I might be the fun. only one that didn't know you did stand up? Is that like a known thing? I'd heard um, rumors. It's, it's not a secret. Um, you know, are, I, th- are uh, there videos was, of this on YouTube? Because God, I want to see them so bad. You know, I don't, I don't know that there are any more. Um, that used to be on Comedy Channel a lot when Comedy Channel was. So I did it in the late. Let's see, I probably started around eighty-seven, eighty-six, Ooh. and I did it all the way till about ninety-four. Um, so, and it was about the time that you know you could still do stand-up. Like people would still go to shows live and. Comedy Central had just come on, which kind of really killed a lot of comedy because, you know, you would see like two minutes of one comedian, then two minutes of another and two minutes of another. So it really ruined the craft as far as seeing a guy be up there for 40 minutes, just holding an audience and all the callbacks and stuff like that. But it was a hobby for me, but I loved it. I loved it. And I got to share the stage with like, like said, really, really actually people that were funny. Um, but I, you know, I got, I got paid for it and it was a lot of fun. It was a hobby. Um, you know, I wasn't, I've said it before when I had started the cigar company, it's like, I wasn't willing. So I was like, in, I was based in San Francisco. So I was at the improv punchline, yeah. Holy Zoo, uh, places like that. And then occasionally I go down to LA, but I wasn't willing to like get in my car and travel around the nation and live out of my car and pay my dues type thing. And, uh, so then I, so in 2012, I started a cigar company where I got to like travel around the nation, live out of my car and, 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 you know, uh, but, um, I, you know, part of me wishes I stuck with it. Um, cause I was, I was, I was pretty decent at it, but, um, it was, it was a hobby for me. It was an outlet and that's kind of what Facebook is for me right now. It's just, I see something funny or whatever, or I'll see somebody say something funny and I think, well, that's kind of funny, but I think it's, I, you can make it funnier, uh, or take a different slant or take a totally different animal against it. Uh, and that's the same way the book was. It was just my ramblings of like, you know, like, uh, George Carlin's brain droppings, but not near as funny as George Carlin, obviously, but, um, just, just ramblings, but I, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I was always nervous. You couldn't tell. Um, comedy is interesting because I was I was studying acting at the time. So I went to American Conservatory Theater. I went over to Oxford, studied there for Shakespeare. I came back. I was doing like commercials and all this other bullshit stuff. And then comedy was like an outlet. It was a place just to have fun um, and just just kind of and, it, and it's all you. But it's 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 very scripted. 
Um, you know, like comedians know their jokes in order. They know the joke that's going to come next. They know the pauses. They, they change words around. And the ones that are really, really good that look like they're making it up, they're not really making it up. They're pulling out of this just batch of jokes that they have. And based on what the crowd is going with, they, they, they either embellish more on that subject or they bail. And the ones that are really good are going to the audience and they're asking the audience things. And then they start making fun of that person or with that person. And they have this arsenal of things that are very good at. So, um, you know, some people like Paula Poundstone was awesome at it with the audience. Robin Williams was awesome at it with the audience. Um, but a lot of times they weren't necessarily making things up. Uh, certainly there's moments when you're on stage and you do just make things up and you're always trying to record your, your session because you, you'll forget at the end what you said. Um, but uh, it was a lot of fun. So the very first time I did it, um, Sue Murphy was hosting at a, at a club called The Other Cafe. I couldn't get into the Holy City Zoo at the time. So I would, you'd have to call, there was, they'd have open mics, couldn't actually, they weren't real open mics. You couldn't just show up and put your name on a list. You had to call an answering machine and you called the answering machine and then you called it back two days later and they gave the lineup of 10 comedians that are allowed to play. So I called that machine every week for six months. And then all of a sudden, finally, my name was on there and I called the machine back like 10 times just to hear my name. So like, I'm sure I did that wrong. And so I get there. And uh, it was either Sue Murphy or Paula Poundstone. I can't remember which now. And I'm in the green room waiting. And I'm like, I've got like the crappy slot. I'm like number nine, like second to last guy or whatever. And she says, how do I pronounce your last name? And, you know, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I said, I've got some kind of some day in the life stuff on grocery stores. And I've got some religious stuff that I'm going to play with. And she's like, oh. And I'm like, what? And she's like, that doesn't usually work. But hey, good luck. You know? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and, and it worked. It worked. It actually, it, you know, nobody threw anything at me. Nobody, you know, I mean, it, they laughed when they were supposed to laugh. So um, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And it was a lot of fun seeing comedians back in the day that, you know, when they finally got TV shows or whatever, they kind of cleaned up their act as they go on Carson and stuff like that. But see them raw and see them struggle and see them do those kind of things. So it was, it was a really it was a fun time of my life to do that. And like I said, a lot of these people are, you know, they're all famous now. So good for them. What's like the most, the biggest name that we would know? Um, so I followed Robin Williams at an open mic night like three times, and that's not fun. And so, <laughs> uh, so then every time I saw him afterwards, because you know we all had to be on name on a list, but if Robin dropped by, I mean, I'm sorry, Robin gets to go on whenever he wanted. And uh, so finally, like the third time or fourth time, I'm just like, dude, and we're out front and we're just you know talking a little bit, and I'm just like, I'm no, you're you're after me. You're, you're after me. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, so it was, it was funny because Rob and I were talking about, you know, having you on. And I, and I flat out said, well, the guy talks endlessly about bacon. And he just wrote a book on bacon. I, if no one else will say, I was sure that the book was literally about bacon. And, and so as I, as I got through it, I, I got to tell you, uh, I'm about halfway through it. It is a very enjoyable, easy read, very lighthearted uh, love what you wrote in the forward. You know that, uh, you know there, there's a little bit there that you know the, people take themselves too seriously these days, and so this book is a way to add a little levity out into the world and uh, g give you something to think about that's maybe not so serious. And uh, what I learned so far in the book, Fred, is you and I see the world very much in the same way, in, from a lot of different angles, from IKEA. Yeah. 
to aliens. <laughs> That's both uh, complimentary and scary at the same time. Thank you. True um, no, story. Actually, there's, there's, I, I think the problem that the death of the, the, the political correctness and stuff, you know, political correctness just means to be polite, in my opinion. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't give you permission to be a jerk. But um, John Cleese did something several years ago about the death of comedy and how, you know, things are getting stripped away from comedy that you can't do anymore. And I, and I think it's a mistake. I think if you can't if you can't laugh at yourself and laugh with other people, I don't think you 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 make fun of other people, but you can laugh with people. And I think that we we lose some of that levity. I think we lose some of that. You know, some things are just funny because they're funny. I mean, you know, and 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 you have to you have to just be okay with that because if we lose that, um, I, you know, I, I just I think that's a problem. You can, Jordan. You can no longer joke about garage door pulls. Like that's no. out now. It's out. yeah, <laughs> forever. <laughs> out, out. I thought that was just that, that like, was. You can't. That, that was a hotbed of yeah, exactly of, of jokes. I can imagine. <laughs> well, the, look, com- comedy. The rule on comedy is it's tragedy plus time, and there's a lot of people on social media that don't allow enough time. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good fair. point. <laughs> that's a good point. <clears throat> Good. And then so I am, uh, obviously the, the the um the other book and I, so I haven't started reading the other one but to be the lime I I am excited about that both Rob and I are both in marketing uh in, in the craft beer industry here and um and so we when we talk I mean we talk about marketing trends and, and uh, y- you know the the way we can capture uh, an audience or, or excite somebody about our brand. So I am very excited about that book. You know, uh, a friend of the show, Cigar Coop, uh, William Cooper, has actually, I, I've heard him, I don't know if you've heard him say it or if he said it to your face, but he cites your book, Be the Lime, as a pivotal point in, in how he markets uh, yeah, the Cigar he, Coop he brand. Does. He's, he's very complimentary about that, yeah, and, 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 that, and that's nice to hear. Yeah, so, so, so what can you tell us about that book? Because I'm curious, you know, uh, you know, obviously you had the cigar brand at, at, at one point. And so did you, you know, while you're going to acting school, did you, were you taking some marketing classes or is it, are these tales from your experience in running the company? No, yeah, they were actually all, all everything in there is pretty much from the marketing company. I mean, I did already, we already had the marketing company since about 2005. So um, by the time the cigar company rolled around in 2012, when I was starting that up, I looked at people at the industry that I liked what they did and people that they didn't. And so like one of the things, the first thing was, was Twitter on the band on the outside of the band was the first person to do that. That, that came via accident, but you always, to me in marketing, you know, you, you either, you either have to be exclusive or you have to be unique. And so it's, it's always looking for a slightly different angle. So what, what I used to get beat up on all the time when I had the cigar company was they're like, you don't post enough, uh, pictures of you smoking cigars. You don't post enough pictures talking about the blends. You don't post enough pictures of, you know, hey, buy my cigar and stuff like that. And my approach to, to the social media on the uh, when I had the cigar company, and the same thing when I was doing interviews, was like, look, you can look that stuff up. I mean, you know, obviously you're going to cover it in a show when you're talking about their latest cigar or something like that. But bottom line is they want to know about the person. They want they want to know what 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 makes the person tick and what their views are and how they look at life and stuff like that. And it's a hell of a lot more entertaining in a podcast than it is if the guy's just talking about all day long and like, well, we use this tobacco. It's like, look, everybody uses the best tobacco. I get it. Everybody uses aged tobacco. I get it. Your cigar is better than everybody else's. I get it. And it's just that falls deaf on ears after a while of the consumer. So my goal was with with what the social media was is like, look, I'm just going to share funny stuff that I see. And so I'd circle around, do an event, 
And someone would say, oh, man, I got your cigar yesterday. I read your post or, you know, it was hysterical. I walked in the humidor and I bought your cigar, you know. So it was a way to have them remember you without that just kind of boring, like, you know, oh, I have the best tobacco. It's 75 years old, you know, whatever it was, you know, hand rolled by virgins, you know. I mean, it's just like, okay, I get it, you know. That's a very interesting so the idea, point. The idea was to put, the, the idea was for a lot of my clients, and I was doing a lot of speeches on the time, the idea was to create a book that said, look, do things a little bit differently. You know, still stay true to your brand. Don't sacrifice who you are or what it is you're trying to accomplish. But look around the environment, and a lot of people are doing the same things. And it's like, you know, you can do an event. So I'll give you an example real quick. Um, when I had the cigar company, I was uh, down south in Texas. And uh, the guy said, look, I've heard of your brand. It's great. You know, I, I, I see the reviews, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I've only got so much space in the humidor, which is the normal story. And he says, I'm just going to ask you one question. I said, what is it? And he said, he says, what makes you different than another white guy that started up a cigar company? Meaning I wasn't Cuban. I wasn't Dominican. I wasn't, you know, Nicaraguan. And it was a great question. And it stuck with me. And what came out of that was, is I said, OK, I'm doing events like everybody else. What can I do different? So I liked Jose Blanco's, you know, blending seminar he did. But I wanted to do a different take on it. So I didn't want to be pretentious. So I called it hacking the blend. And I bought, I bought three tobaccos, the burritos, they were just Esli Lajero, just Jalap, just Condega, um, and then, you know, whatever cigar it was. And they would smoke each one of those individually and get the flavors of and go, well, you know, I really don't like this. Like, okay, well, hold that, because the last cigar we're going to have is going to be the final cigar that they all went into. So the idea was to recreate a blending experience for someone in a store and they went over really well and it's not from a pretentious like you know tell me what you think this is no that's wrong because everybody has a different palette everybody has a different different take on it so that was one thing that was kind of like be the line like what can i do differently than everybody else is doing and still get my message and what was great about that from an event standpoint as opposed to a meet and greet where you're just handing somebody your cigar and you get two minutes to talk about your cigar i had them captive for 45 minutes to an hour and gave them an experience that when you walked out of that shop, the guys that weren't in that, they're going, oh man, you should have been here yesterday. We got to smoke these individual ones. We got to do whatever. So the idea is to always look for angles like that. I love it. That's fantastic. Like I said, Rob, Rob and I are always constantly looking for uh, different ways to, to market our brands and engage consumers. Cause like you said, you know, giving someone an emotional experience, uh, that they link to that brand is so much more powerful than, like you said, just like, here's my logo, here's my logo, here's my logo. Well, if you go back and you look at your guests on the show, cigar makers, and what you're going to remember are their stories. You're not going to remember how they talked about processing tobacco or what tobacco they chose. You're going to remember the stories because that hooks to an emotion. And that's something that lingers and stays with you. Randy, you make it sound like the conversations that you and I have are a lot more like meaningful than they really are. <laughs> <laughs> meaningful like, to me, like, like, well, well, of course. I mean, they're meaningful to me as well. But it's more like, hey, how's everything going? Yeah, how's the kid? It's good. Uh, I threw up today. Oh, cool. That sucks. You know, as you get under your shoes, that kind of thing. That's what we talk about. Um, well, I think, I think, I think. Actually, we've never I mean, talked about. To Eric's credit on Dojo, I mean, if you look at Dojo, you went into an environment that there was no shortage of bloggers. There was no shortage of podcasts. There was no shortage of everything out there. And you did something different that no one had done and built a, a pretty much an empire very quickly by doing oh, something empire, different. We're never going to hear the end of that. 
We're never going to hear from you. Hey, 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 let him talk. Let him talk. Let the man speak. I've always thought it was impressive because it went, you know, you had to do something different. Because if you didn't have been just another podcast or just another guy talking about, hey, we're smoking, you know, I mean, it has to go beyond that. So what you built was you connected a lot of disenfranchised people that were, you know, either not gravitating towards something or wanted something different. Um, you know, a show beyond the cigars. And that's what it was. And I know Rob and I were playing around with the show with John for a while. And that's what we were wrestling with. It's like, okay, how do we make this be something different? And I think at the end, it really, I mean, we did what, four test episodes or whatever. And I think all of us were kind of the same thing. Okay, it's fun for us, but it wasn't, there was no unique value proposition necessarily to the listener to really felt like it was going to catch and stuff like that. Yeah, that was that was an interesting experience. Uh, I don't think I've ever really talked to anybody about that because, I mean, the only people as far as I, well, now everybody knows, but uh, it was like me, you, and John were really the only ones who knew about it. John McTavish yeah. is with uh, Developing Palettes now. Um, but uh, John and I go way back to the Cigar Federation days, and we did our, we started the pairing show way back, and I, I don't know that anybody else was doing a pairing show at the time. And uh, we had we had a lot of fun with it, and then the three of us. This was what two years ago? Two years ago, yeah, I think about at two least. years ago. Yeah, I was I was still uh, with Mombacho at the time, and yeah, and we were just kind of kicking around the idea of uh, of were you, did you had you had sold Nomad already, or I sold I sold Nomad, and then I was approached to do the Armed Forces Network to do a show on there, and I could do whatever I wanted. I could have an hour, and mm. I'm like, well. I'm not going to talk for an hour. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so I reached out to Rob and John, who I thought would be a good fit. And we just kind of played around with it. And we we kind of we started getting segments. I mean, you have to map it out and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they were they were OK. They were good. But they're just we didn't see. We just, you know, we just you know, Rob had something he had to do. And then I'm just like, you know, I just don't know if we've got enough there to make it run because, you know, it's a commitment. You, you do a show and. You know, you got to see it through and you got to build an audience. It's not like you turn it on. All of a sudden you got, you know, 10,000 people listening to it. Um, so to do a show is, is, is tough. I mean, I've got a lot of respect for people that have maintained it and keep it interesting. And, and there's really only probably for me, there's like four or five shows that I'm like, I'll, I'll say, okay, these, these are great shows. Cause they're, they go beyond, you know, they're, they're doing something different. And Rob, Rob was probably like, Hey man, I'll, I'll do like five shows this weekend. And then <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was a conversation. That was a conversation. Yeah. Let's do back to back shows. And you know, I, I can't argue with that. I mean, it probably <laughs> happened. I'll do it all this weekend. Hey, did you read that review yesterday? It was uh, it was beautifully penned. Yes, it was. Uh, I don't know who wrote it. Good, I don't know who wrote it. Good job, Robbie. We're proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Look at that. Look at this guy writing reviews. God. Look at that. Big time. Um, man, I had something I wanted to talk about, and then now I lost it. So, okay, oh, Fred, okay. So it's been it's been a while. You're kind of still hanging around the the cigar industry and you haven't really committed to, to anything as far as I know um, as far you know working with any specific companies is that still something that's on the horizon for you staying in this industry well I, I mean I came into the the industry as a cigar enthusiast that just you know felt like the make a wish kid foundation that went down and got to make his own cigar and then it just kind of it kind of grew from there um, and, and I haven't been secretive about it. I mean, there was certainly after I sold it, there were certainly plenty of conversations. But I have to admit, there's a there's a short list of companies that I like the company and I like the product. 
Um, so I'm totally comfortable just hanging out and, and, and smoking cigars and, and, you know, I'm don't even know why people ask me on shows anymore. Someone actually said that I was completely irrelevant in the industry and to stop talking about cigars. And I thought that was a compliment. So, um, uh, you know, so it's just kind of like, um, you know, if the right thing presents itself on, on the terms that I want and the product I like, there's been some great companies that have come forward that I'm just like, you know what? I just, I, I can't do it. I mean, I, I like you, you're a great person, but I'm just, I can't get behind the product hundred percent. Now, part of me wishes I just did that and just sold out for a paycheck. Cause some of the paychecks are like, wow, that's, that's a lot of money to sit there and, you know, be in an ad, and, you know, I mean, you know, but I, I didn't want to do that. And also it would have been really a weird disconnect being boutique and then going to a really big, big company. And then all of a sudden just like, I thought you're all about boutiques. You're going to say that this cigar is the best in the world. You know, I mean, so, um, there, there's a short list. I've, I've, I've been kind of on the side, you know, helping some companies and, and guiding some companies, but, um, if there's a fit, yeah, I mean, there'll be an opportunity there. If there's not, then I'm okay. Just hanging out smoking. And, you know, I get calls from different companies going, Hey, can you, you know, jump on a call with us and, you know, kind of brainstorm some stuff with this. I'm okay with that too. I love cigars. So I like, you know, I'm not, I'm not loyal to any one brand. Obviously I have my favorites like everybody does, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm okay right now. At some point, you know, you're just, you're probably hanging around a little bit too much. Um, but you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously I, I guess I had built enough cred to still be around. Um, and, 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 and then, like I said, maybe, maybe something will come down, but it's gotta be something I'm really passionate about. Something that I really can get behind a hundred percent on, not, not just for a paycheck. I mean, we have the marketing company, so it's not like it, it, I the, if anything, it's going to be a distraction for me. Uh, it's a good distraction, but I mean, it's not, it's not a money issue. So that kind of gives a lot of power to me from going, you know what, I, I think I'm just going to pass, but I really appreciate the offer. So you never know. You never know. Yeah. So that, it sounds like, I mean, as far as that's concerned, you're in uh, like a, a healthy spot with the decisions that you've made and what you've been able to do in this industry and what you've been able to learn and glean from it. Um, and you're just, and you're comfortable where you're at. That's, I mean, good for you. That's, that's a, that's a tough place for a lot of people to find. So, um, well, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lot, I'm a lot older. Than, I'm a, I'm a lot older than people think I am. So the idea of going on the road, you know, 40 weeks out of the year just isn't going to happen. Um, you know, once I get, once, I, once I got over 50, I'm just like, you know, that that's not happening anymore. So I'd, I'd say like 26, once you get over 26, 26 to 27, there's a big drop off right there when in energy level and, I don't know if it's a testosterone thing or what, man, but that was when I started losing my hair and my beard started going white. It was 26. It was early. I, how, I old too much how, old you, how old are you now? 42. Okay. All right. So you're only, what, 12 years younger and than me. Just, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> Fair enough. Look, my, Fair enough. My, medicine, my medicine cabinet used to be Excedrin and condoms, and now there's, like, all these drugs in there for, like, di different circumstances that pop up. Oh, when did I get acid reflux? You know? It's like, and you have these pains. I'm 54 years old. I wake up and I'm like, oh, my shoulder hurts. I slept wrong. How do you sleep wrong? How do you screw up sleeping in a bed that you wake up sore and have to like crack your shoulder and like you walk to the bathroom and your toes are cracking or something. So like, how does, where does that shit happen? That's, that's a, that's perfect because yesterday or two days ago in my Facebook memories, and I love Facebook memories. Because I get to look back, you know, what was going on, you know, a year or two years ago, whatever. And there was one that's, it was from a year ago. Randy, I was with you. I had played, we golfed, we played 18 holes. And my post was, I played 18 holes yesterday. Today I can barely walk. 
<laughs> and this was a year. So, and that's, right. I mean, did, that, did you that walk goes, the course at least? Did you walk the we course? Did. You, we oh, did. We walked. Oh, that's fair. Did that's we fair. walk it? I don't know. No, <laughs> that's the last oh, time we, I, we had a card. I don't even. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to call you out on it, but no, we had a cart. Jeez, the, Robbie. The one, I, the one thing I do remember, I, I, you know what? Randy's not going to admit it, but he felt the same way the next day, too. Oh, absolutely. There's probably a comment on that memory that I could, I could, I could bust it out. But I, I remember that was the first day that I smoked the Placencia Almafuerte. Randy yeah. brought me one to smoke on the golf course, and I stepped on it. So I was smoking it, and it had like, uh, it was a terrible parts. Yeah, terrible, terrible experience. So there's uh, a company, that, by the way. So so oh. I, I I'm gonna plug a company for absolutely no reason whatsoever. So you know how you have all those like clips that go on the cart to hold your cigars and stuff like that. Sure. So there's one called Stage Five Clinger. Uh, it's got a magnet on it Love and it. it's got a piece of Velcro, and it's just two prongs. But I gotta tell you, you know, you put it on the little post there and you put the magnet and put the Velcro on. I don't think it would fall off with the magnet anyway, but I put the Velcro thing around it anyway. You can put any size cigar in there, and it doesn't pinch it. It doesn't fall off. Uh, pro tip, put it a little higher because you'll burn your sleeve when you reach for your little uh, radar rangefinder. But, um, uh, I, you know, and they don't know me from Adam. Uh, I just bought one, or I think they sent me one years ago. I still use it to this day, and I give them away all the time. So if you're looking for a cigar holder for the golf course on a cart, Stage 5 Clinger, look them up. I think they're like 15 bucks on Amazon. Uh, great cigar holder. Because I would leave all the other ones by mistake on the cart. You know, I'd, I'd lose them all day long. And then you go to the caddy and go, hey, I left my cigar thing here. And, like, they got 50 of them in the back from every other guy like me that left them behind. I think, Randy, you did that. You left your – you had your little surgical pouch of all your stuff, well, all your lighters and cutters. Why you travel with 10 lighters and 10 cutters, I'll never understand. But you had all of that, and you were so upset. You were, like, distraught when you got home because you left it on the cart. And they somebody turned it in, right? Like two hundred and seventy dollars worth of Zycar accessories. Yeah, Ooh. I was upset. <laughs> but See, I'm, OC, I'm I'm OCD, so it doesn't leave the bag. I grab a cigar out of the bag. I grab the cutter, it goes back in the bag. Nothing goes into the little glove box or anything like that. Yeah, I'm I'm ADD. It might get set on the on the tire. It might get just set on the floor. It might be in my pocket. You never know. <laughs> he'll walk he'll walk three fairways over and put it in somebody else's bag. It's just crazy. <laughs> oh, that's it's, who knows what's gonna happen. Brett, how's the uh, how's the golf how's the golf game? Good. I mean, in Florida we can still play, so that's good. We they have a rule where you uh, it's only one person per cart, and uh, they don't have rakes in the bunkers, and you don't touch the pins. So I'm actually playing tomorrow morning. So I've been playing at least once or twice a week, uh, which is kind of helping maintain sanity during all this other lockdown stuff. I actually haven't eaten out at a restaurant since March eighth, I think it was. Um, wow. So you got the day um, What'd you have? You know, uh, <laughs> it was Italian. It was Italian food. It was Italian food. So we've been cooking a lot at home, which we normally do. And we, we're not, we don't eat out like, you know, a lot. We might go out a couple times a week, but we haven't, I just, with all everything going on and then Florida's kind of blowing up again right now a little bit, like all these restaurants and bars all of a sudden they're like, you know, they're shutting down because all of a sudden COVID's kind of flaring back up again. Uh, so, um, I was just getting comfortable enough to go out and then all this kind of happened. I'm like, no, nope, not doing it. Not going out. <laughs> See you guys in yeah. September. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of the same here in uh, in California. I know the golf courses are open. Randy, we should go, man. We haven't played. I know you brought you texted me about that about a week ago. Yeah, uh, we definitely should get back out. That would be a lot of fun. Um, 
Yeah, that's now, the one we, thing. We can't have even one person in a cart in California still. So you are going to have to walk it. We could only do nine holes, but well, I'm playing not, nine. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what the rules are. We're only right. playing nine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, that's too funny. Um, yeah, that's the one thing my wife uh, and I were talking about this the other day. And for me, life isn't all that much different. Like, I work from home a lot, and, you know, I never really go anywhere unless I have to. I mean, I don't really like people all that much, but uh, um, not being able to go to restaurants has been. Fun. <laughs> but one thing, one thing I will say that's really cool. I'll plug a company too that I, I have no. Uh, they don't know me from Adam. I've I've bought from them a couple times. It's a company called Gold Belly, and they'll ship food to you oh, from man. like different styles of restaurants throughout the country. And for uh, our, I don't know if it was like a. A birthday or an anniversary or something but our my father-in-law my mother-in-law uh dana's uh folks sent us some uh bagels and locks from uh a jewish deli in san Fran or in uh in new york and oh, i had never nice. had I, i'm not a big smoked salmon guy and i was like yeah fine i'll try it holy crap it changed my life the bagels yeah. locks i put a little cake yeah. on there it was amazing so so gold, good gold, and it turns gold out, belly's amazing Gold Belly's amazing, but I can't stand those ads that pop up because I'm like, oh, great. Now i got to buy a cheesecake. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just I mean, the stuff they have is amazing. Yeah. Like we want, I've been craving lobster. So uh, John Carney, who I do a quarantine grilling show with, I'm like, he's up in Maine. He sent me 16 pounds of lobster like two weeks ago. So he's it was just kid. lobster fest at my house, you know, for the weekend. Um, but yeah, Gold Belly is, is amazing. And then Skip Martin screwed it up because he told me like Cheesecake Factory delivers like entire whole cheesecakes. And I'm like, oh, great. I didn't need to know that either. You know, <laughs> there it goes. So we did, uh, and, and boys, uh, outside of Randy, you'll, you'll know about this. They have, um, Shake Shack. They'll send you Shake Shack burgers and it's, it's eight of the patties and the cheese and the sauce and the buns. That's all they send you. But we did. We ordered that, and uh, between my wife and I, we've been working through that for this week. And I just forgot how much I missed having going out and getting a good cheeseburger. But yeah. I will tell you, you you order that stuff. It's not exactly the same, but it's pretty damn close. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. Yeah. It's it's not cheap. I mean, the the shipping can get expensive. But anyway, uh, there's that. So tell us a little bit about your. Uh, you've got that other the the grilling show that you do. I'm sure Randy will have some comments. Tell you what you're doing wrong, and then um, and then maybe we'll wrap it up. But give us a little bit of uh, insight onto that show. Is that going to keep going? Is it just a quarantine yeah, thing? Yeah. So it was really it was really just uh, John Carney and Brian McGee, and they were just they're both reps, so they were trying to figure out something to do. So they had me as a guest on I think the second show, and I did ribeyes on salt blocks, which is something mm. I got out of Saga in Dominican Republic. And so I did that on the show and then they said, well, do you know, do you, you have any, you know, do you mind like emceeing the show? And I'm like, okay, so I'll, I'll do that. So I cook about every like fourth or fifth week, but it's mostly those guys. We've had guests on the show and stuff like that. So yeah, there's a, there's an episode next Monday. It's on Facebook. It's on quarantine grilling and uh, it's gotten better. Um, you know, much like having a podcast and like you have no show notes, you have no idea what you're going to do. You're just randomly doing stuff. So now there's actually show notes and sponsors and stuff. Uh, so the show will change names after, I think, after next week. So it'll go to a different name, and then it'll go twice a month. So it's been kind of fun. It's interesting between the two because Carney is, like, 
7 million ingredients doing all like 15 different entrees and stuff. And McGee's like, I'm doing these three things. So McGee's always done early <laughs> eating and Carney's like all the way to the last minute putting his stuff together with fiddleheads or some weed that he got out that's edible. I mean, he's always got wild stuff, but they're both, they're both really good. So it, it's been a lot of fun. You know, Randy is a championship, uh, championship winner, something or other gold medal, something griller. He's oh, really? all about the bunch. I, I I dabble in competition barbecue. So uh, smoking or just uh, flame or what are you doing? Uh, I'm I I barbecue. I smoke meat. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I I obviously it's 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 a by cut thing. I'm I'm actually real particular on like there's certain things that need to be done with direct heat. There's certain things that sh- uh, should be done with indirect heat. And so I, I pretty much compartmentalize. You know I I don't I won't do a ribeye on a smoker you know I, I use cast iron or or even if i'm sous vide or the oven i'm cast iron for steaks but uh uh and then obviously i, I being a california guy uh tri-tip is uh, santa maria style only for me so i do direct heat but i nice. smoke the hell out of a brisket some ribs and a pork butt on a very regular basis have you done a ribeye on a salt block I have never done a ribeye on a salt block. I'm, I'm intrigued by that because I just saw the news that Saga's being closed, actually. Yeah, so, it's, well, so I'm, I'm, have to hoping it's temp- now. I'm hoping it's temporary, but yeah, ribeye on a salt block is an absolute game changer. I mean, it, it really is. And I, I, so I've got, I bought a pellet grill about two years ago now. I wish I would have bought a pellet grill ages ago, by the way, because I had the regular smoke box, Texas style, where you've got the fire in one and just running off smoke. And to keep the fire going, is just absolutely ridiculous. I watched the master series of, of uh, Aaron Franklin, and yep, like yep. two of his, two of his like shows are just on the fire, and I'm just watching it like a kid watching Santa Claus. I mean, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. So, but like you know, a prime rib on a smoker is absolutely amazing. You can't you can't really screw it up. Um, I, I do bacon burnt ends. That's probably one of my, my one of my favorite things to do on a smoker, oh, yeah. and those those are absolutely amazing, and it's it's cheap. You can buy pork belly for like two ninety nine a pound, and I'll do like thirteen pounds of it, and you know six seven hours later I got bacon burnt ends, and oh my god, they are they are absolutely amazing. When when you talk about keeping the fire going, the first thing that popped into my head is from the movie Titanic, and the guys that are down there shoveling all the coal in there when uh-huh. when uh, Rose and Jack run through. You know, that's the first thing. So you got a bunch it's, of guys like shoveling coal. Is that the deal? It's an art form, and and you yeah. know. It's like, so I used to be really into saltwater aquariums and we had like four or five oh. of them. And the, big, the biggest one was 240 gallons. And then the smallest one was a 30 gallon tall. And the way I, I look at barbecue and smoking is the same way I look at salt tanks, which is really odd. The bigger the tank, the easier it was to maintain the ecosystem in there. Cause the more, the more live rock, the more you had same thing with fire, the bigger, the firebox you have, the easier it is. But if you have a small firebox and you go to, you go to Lowe's and you buy one that's got a little firebox, man, the range on that smoker, you just can't – there's no way to keep it right. And like I said, when I watch Aaron Franklin on there, it's just like how he positions the log. and If it's cold out, how he has this buffer log in the front to stop cold air from coming in as much and slightly warming the air before it hits the rest of the logs. I'm like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. Um, so, I mean, the big – but it seems like – but a pellet grill, I mean, for an amateur, it just it – just, does what it needs to do it just feeds it exactly right so it's i mean i should have bought a pellet grill years ago 
Yeah, no, so I'm, I, I, yeah I, I have people ask me all the time, like they find out or know that I'm a, I'm pretty big <clears> into, into barbecue in general. And a lot of times people say, oh, you probably think, you know, I'm, I'm a wimp or whatever because I use a pellet grill. Like, no, absolutely not. Pellet grills uh, got its place and time. It, they, they produce phenomenal flavor. Uh, but to, but to your point, for me, it still is about fire management, and there, there's, there's that. That's a hobby in and of itself, almost apart from the meat prep, you, you know, to, to your point, you know, that messing with the different woods and the different configurations of how you how you lay your coal or you're using briquettes or lump coal. But um, actually, it came up earlier, uh, the bacon competition. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. Uh, it was recently canceled. And yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited that. Uh, uh, the the production company uh, um, Smoker Friendly actually turned to Cigar Dojo to host a, a virtual um, kind of replacement. And I so, saw that. Yeah, yeah. so Dojo always does a, a pre-party uh, there at the studio, and so I'm going to go out there this year. I think Robbie's going to make it as well, and uh, we got a, a local uh, Hall of Famer, Kurt uh, from Cigar Dojo, is going to come down from Wyoming with his homemade um, uh, drum smoker. And so we're we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do some barbecue out there. We'd love to have you out. Be, uh, it's gonna be a blast. They're always really yeah, good the, parties. Yeah, the, the, the fire. The thing about the fire that's awesome, uh, and then we can drop the whole barbecue talk, I guess. But um, <laughs> you know, the, the amount of smoke you can get out of a fire slash wood is way better than a pellet grill. I mean, pellet grill is great for maintaining temperature, and I've got six different buckets of different type of pellets depending on what it is i'm cooking and i'll empty the pellets and put a different pellet depending on what i'm cooking and i've done mixes and tri mixes and things like that um what got me the, i think the biggest thing i learned was how important all the resting period was afterwards oh, um yeah. and actually that came out so my dad and i have been in a prime rib battle our whole life of who can make the best prime rib and we've done every single recipe of prime rib there is uh, in there and uh, it wasn't until so I'd always take it out and let it rest. Uh, it wasn't until I got that meter thermometer because um, a prime rib you really can't just eyeball. It's got to be exact. So I do use a thermometer on that. But when I took it out, this thing's telling me one, it had me take it out a little earlier than I normally would, and it had it rest way longer than I thought it would. Um, but to your point on meat prep. What you do before it goes on the smoker and what you do after, like last week's the first time I did, or two weeks ago, the first time I did brisket where I actually halfway through wrapped it in the butcher paper, yep. put it back on and stuff like that. That stuff's all a game changer as far as that. Yeah. But it's the before and after that really make the difference. I mean, the smoker's the smoker. You set the temperature, it's going to be in there. But what you do before and after, but the resting period, that, that, that changed everything in the flavor. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It was a game changer. My wife actually got me a, uh, one of the big um, thermal boxes, the Cambro box, to to load everything in, and you just let it, uh, you know, kind of um, mitigates the, the 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 how quickly the temperature drops, so you get that really slow decline. Really allow yeah. the, the the juices to get absorbed back into the meat. Yeah, no, that's uh, you're right. It makes a huge difference. Randy, what well, do you think about the uh, George Foreman? I got Barry who <laughs> says he's using George Foreman. <laughs> I'm not but I'm almost sure a George Foreman grill is basically a panini press. <laughs> it is. The guy made a million dollars. Come on. Oh, I pray. he probably made more than that. Yeah. Hulk Hogan's so, still kicking himself for not taking that gig. <laughs> I, 
I feel like Jordan was making a, uh, a, a uh, office, space. office space reference. Yeah, there. it's, yeah, it's that was casual drop. I, I was about to say this is... Hey, I, ha- I have a George Foreman grill. I have a sous vide. I have an air fryer. I've got, I've got all that stuff, too. And some of it has its time and place. Like, if I need... If I'm going to put a... Uh, actually, the George Foreman actually works really good. I'll, here's where something that works good. If you buy one of those, like, pork tenderloins that are already, like, in a shrink rack pop at the grocery store, and you cut it in half and throw it on the George Foreman grill... It's actually pretty decent because it cooks it very quickly, but it doesn't it doesn't lose all the you know the flavor doesn't dry it out. It's good for that. So that's about the only thing I use it for, and that's only because I'm too lazy to like fire up the grill. You're not a panini guy. Um, <laughs> I have a panini maker, but I think I only made it like twice. You know? So, you, so you're like you're like me. You've got a section in your garage of gadgets. <laughs> you the gadget, the gadget Panini's, Panini, Panini's good for Cuban sandwiches, but the I problem with the Cuban sandwiches is that is that I can't get the bread. So oh. if you can't if you can't get the legit bread, then all bread, bets are off. I will send you my recipe oh. for Cubano uh, uh, bread rolls because that's the only way to do it. After I saw that John Favreau movie Chef, I was so inspired to make Cubanos that I started making the really? bread because yeah, everything that I read was Jeez, just like. Randy. But but you have to you have to right, make the right mojo criollo. Yeah, that's a lot yeah, of work. Oh yeah, it's it's like a two day yeah. uh, thing no, for that's... me to make a sandwich. Nathan, Nathan, Nathan Carlson was making his own sourdough bread, and so I'm like, I want to make sourdough bread because that's what that's probably one of the biggest things I miss out of San Francisco is sourdough bread because on the mm-hmm. East Coast we we can't get it. And so I'm looking at this recipe to make sourdough bread and starting the start and all this other shit, and I'm like. So I can't have sourdough bread for like a week. It's just, I mean, it's just like I'm like, nah, I'm out. I'm out. It's better than not having it at all. Yeah, I should try, but I'm not a baker. The only thing I bake is popovers. That's it. I'm not. I'm not a baker. Baking is tough, man. It's it's very very specific. My wife is a phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal cook. She can make damn near anything. But when it comes to baking, she just I don't know. She kind of freaks out. And everything that she makes always turns out great, but she feels like she doesn't do it very well. But she did. She made some. She hasn't done sourdough, but she made some uh, some baguettes, some French bread baguettes. Phenomenal. They don't last quite as long as like if you buy one at the store or whatever. But uh, man, well, that's good. There's no there. there's no preservatives exactly. or anything. The thing about baking is, I mean, you know, it's like when you like I, I like making pastas. Like I made carbonara and stuff from scratch the other day and stuff like that. There's a lot of margin of error in most of those foods. In baking, there's not margin of error. Whatever the, whatever the, whatever the breakdown of ingredients is, it needs to be that breakdown. It's a science. It has to rise this. The enzymes have to do this. The protein has to do this. When I was making popovers, that was the other battle with my dad. I learned that you had to have flour that had at least four grams of protein in it. Otherwise, it didn't rise properly. I mean, like that's the Alton Brown, like, hey, here's why it does this, and here's the science behind it. And that's a lot of work. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's you know I, I I love that you and your dad have have like these competitions. I think that's awesome. Well, I, I, I think I, that's I, really really. That's cool. okay, you know. Right, it's I official think. for for the rest of the season. Can all of our wild card episodes be just about ma- baking or cooking? Or <laughs> we, we can smoke cigars just, or not? I, I, just I'm just creating, <laughs> creating regardless of what it is. We'll get wait some, wait wait. Did, we'll did, find. Did you just did you just say smoke cigars or not? <laughs> Oh, you nuts! Did he wrong. say that? that was, I think he. I think that's can actually. We, can we, Jordan, can we replay that? I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that that's what he said. I can. I think Randy just got fired. Yeah, you're. <laughs> so Fred Rue will be on Dojo permanently from now on. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. 
Wow, I just That's got awesome. replaced on, on, on a show. My amazing. face is literally Dude, part of the logo. Smoke or not. <laughs> that is amazing. I well speak I haven't been smoking for the last few minutes because for whatever reason I picked a corona today oh. and I went right down to the freaking nub. I didn't have a roach clip, so I could not uh, finish smoking this thing. This cigar, the uh, let me make sure I say everything correctly here. The Tabernacle Havana Seed CT142. Holy crap! This was the Dojo Cigar of the Year recently, yeah? Robbie, two years ago. Tell, tell me if you get this. This this cigar, I get the most specific, crazy note on that cigar. Is you know like the uh, lollipops with the tootsie roll in the center? Tootsie, tootsie pop. Yeah. We'll never know. We'll never know. It's like right the when you're you're know. still around the the candy coating, but you're getting to the chocolate. You're getting kind of both things at once. Tastes exactly like that. I, you know what? I want to smoke it on a fresh palate and look for that. I think that you, I think that's amazing. Uh, you might be the only person that's going to get that. Ah, but, darn it. but, but that doesn't mean it's not there. I mean, flavor is memory to me. Like it, 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 the flavor you get from a cigar conjures up a memory of something else that you've tried. Of course. It and, uh, yeah, it's your, I, it's I your interpretation of it. There's, sure. I mean, we used to have these arguments all the time about blending. I'm like, look, there's, there's seven flavors. You know, there's not licorice. There's not. There's not Tootsie Roll. There's, none of that exists in a cigar. But it's your brain's interpretation of what's hitting the palate that brings something back from your past. You're, right. you're exactly right. You, somebody so might just get uh, sweetness, but like I ate a lot of cotton candy as a kid. I get cotton candy. But just that to be clear, he was talking about Tootsie Pops, not Tootsie Roll. Tootsie Pop. We're talking the the candy now, coating meeting the Tootsie Roll. The grape or orange? I'm thinking it's the orange. It's, it's the cherry. It's the cherry. Oh. Cherry. No, no, no. Nobody ate the grape. I'm no, sorry. Come on. Oh, I, well, this was good. No. Maybe was, I was always no. the last one to get one, so I was always stuck with grape. That's the one thing That's I remember like, when my parents, like back in the day when Costco first opened and my parents got a Costco membership, we would get the, oh, yeah. that was the one thing I remember. It's the gigantic thing at Tootsie Pops. And grape was always the one that was last left over. So, Fred, you're on to something. There. See, mine was, mine was Otter Pops. And, you know, in the freezer and in the summer, and I would sit there and I'd go through the entire box and then there's all left like four grapes, whatever's there. And I would literally, I'd eat, try to eat one. I couldn't eat it. And I'm like, tell my mom, you know, Hey, we need more Otter Pops. Like, no, there's some in there and stuff like that. And I would throw them away. Like, no, we're out. They're all I gone, mom. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a great person as far as that. Concerned. I recently like, learned that like, uh, I've had these otter pops for my son and they're only like a calorie per pop. Like I can, I can eat the whole box. Good to go. Well, be I mean, on they, they, they do come That's in amazing. the single serving boxes. I mean, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you know, the, taber the tabernacle, that, that's a great cigar. And oh, I mean, you know, it's like every year when they do that kind of factory of the year thing. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not bashing any brand. There's a lot of brands I love outside of that. But Aganorsa is, is dialed in as they are between Aganorsa's new cigars, Illusione, Tabernacle, and Warped. I mean, there's not a bad cigar um, coming out of that factory. There's, there's not. They may not be in your wheelhouse, but there's not a bad cigar in that entire group. But you're talking about, what, the second largest grower in Nicaragua or whatever, and they sell off, like, what, 80% of their tobacco and keep 20% for those guys? Um, you know, that's some amazing stuff. And, and those guys, all, their, all three of those guys, their portfolios are, are incredible. Even the hidden you? gem is HVC cigars. Exactly. Cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you're not getting any argument from us. And as you watch the Corojo episodes that are coming up, uh, you'll notice that uh, we <laughs> – kind of focused on those a little bit, <laughs> maybe for obvious reasons, but be that as it may, 
Uh, Fred, this has been a blast, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, man. Thank, uh, yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, and and whoever said that you need to stop doing shows and stop yeah. being part of the cigar industry, <laughs> screw that guy or gal. Whoever said that, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. You're a gem, and we love having you in this industry, and we love chatting with you. Absolutely, thank it's been a blast. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Now, guys, and are we uh, doing thumbs ups? Obviously, I oh. would assume. Well, I'm gonna go. Oh, okay, let's get let's get real specific, and I'll start. So I went with the coffee porter, and uh, the tabernacle. Uh, hold on, the tabernacle CT 142, and the the two different styles of bacon. I'll give a thumbs up to the candied bacon that I did, and a, and a, kind of a thumbs down to the regular bacon. The regular bacon just didn't really cut it. That candied bacon gave it that extra sweetness, a oh, yeah. little bit of extra spice because I, there's that that chili powder in there. It really does make a difference for me. But so on the way, uh, I'll give it, I'll go on the on the leaderboard, what's it gonna say? It's gonna say Robbie gave it a thumbs. I'll up. go thumbs up. Randy, what about you? Uh, I went with the uh, uh, jalapeno bacon and the coconut coffee porter. You went and, with an extra flavor, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I'll tell you, so I, I got this to where it's just a, a decent amount of heat coming from the jalapeno. Uh, the coconut milk worked as a great counter uh, agent against the capsaicin in, in the jalapeno. So whatever kind of fire was there was was cooled right away by, by the uh, coconut and the sweetness of, of the beer went really well with the saltiness of the um of the bacon and so that this is a huge thumbs up for me and and the the cigar also had that chocolatey coffee character with a uh, nice spicy especially in the retro hail very very spicy retro um and all three of them went really well together it was a brilliant pairing if i don't mind saying so myself so that sounds like a thumbs up fred how about you um i was actually like i said i hadn't really consciously sat down and ever done a pairing on it um I would say that the for one the Balvini double would went well because the salt offset the Balvini's not a PD PD uh, single malt so that was good I think a PD single malt might be a mistake in that scenario yeah. uh, I did Agreed. not have cayenne or sweetness in there the um, the double thick cut um, applewood bacon was was better and I think you actually need to gravitate towards thinner cut like I took a bite of a of a cherry wood uh, thinner cut one and it just didn't I don't know if it's just not enough meat to it or the salt ratio was slightly different, but it just wasn't as appealing. I kept going back over to the double cut, and I usually prefer thick cut bacon anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was definitely a thumbs up. It would, you know, I would, I would like to experiment with some of the cayenne ones and stuff, depending on what I'm smoking. I think um, I'm, I, it was interesting to see what Rob did because Rob actually went for a much fuller bodied cigar than I had chosen. Um, so I would probably, I could see on a fuller bodied cigar, really wanting to have that kind of cayenne or something some sort of a spice in there that's definitely different separate part of the palate if you're dividing up the palate it's definitely hitting a different part of the palate so it's complementary um but yeah I, I give it a thumbs up absolutely i even wanted to go actually like fuller fuller body i was originally going to go with a neanderthal but uh, from roma craft but uh, randy we're experiencing that one later in the season so i didn't want to double up you know how i am i don't want to double dip a little so teaser there for you well Little, little that, teaser. That was, it's funny, Rob, we're alike because that was my other backup cigar was to go over to the Neanderthal, which is my favorite Roma Craft cigar. Um, oh, it's so and I, good, I, I, was, I was a little worried it was going to overpower it, and I like that cigar on its own, um, but I have no reason to believe it wouldn't have worked. 
Yeah, I'm late to the party on the Neanderthal because I've, frankly, I've been kind of afraid of it because of the way people talk about it. Oh, it's so strong! It's so strong! It's the strongest cigar ever. It's and it it is a strong cigar. It is, it is not strong. meant. It's not meant for uh, you know somebody who this is their first cigar. But uh, I mean, you'll get a little green in the gills, as they say, if that's your uh, if that's your first smoke. But for me, I, I wish I would have smoked one of those. How long they've been around? Five or six years. Like four yeah. and a half years ago, I've been smoking it. It, it is it's, it's a I, phenomenal I like it. blend. I'm, I'm, and it's, I think it's, this. It's not, a golf, it's not a golf cigar. It's not a golf course no. cigar, though. I can true tell you story. That, Absolutely it, true it, story. Maybe it's, mini it's golf, an, it's but a, maybe not. It's an it's an after dinner smoke for me, um, and it also you know it's it's not a big size, but it smokes very slow. It's it, it, you know I, I do like what he does in the tobacco, and there's some guys out there like him and James Brown and some other people that. You know, they've really pushed how much tobacco you can get in there, but still have a great draw, still have great flavor. Uh, it's definitely, for me, of the Roma Craft series, it's definitely my go-to. I mean, my humidor always has some in it. Um, and, but it, you're right. It's definitely going to be fuller-bodied. And if you're if you're a medium guy or you think you're a medium to full guy, it's a straight-on full, but it's got a lot of flavor. And I gauge cigars by flavor more than I do strength. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And I, I think I just probably psyched myself out on it. And it's just, it's probably one of my favorite cigars, maybe my favorite cigar that I've smoked this year. So, did you, again, late were, to the were you smoking the Lord Humongous or were we talking just regular old Neanderthal? I, I, I believe I was smoking the Humongous. I think Ooh. that's what I was smoking. That's where the strength's at, baby. It was, it was, it, I mean, it's a big cigar. I was sitting out and it was perfect. I was sitting out on my patio with my lovely wife and we brought the TV outside and there is a documentary called Crystal Lake Memories, which is all about like all of the Friday the 13th movies. It's six and a half hours long, seven hours long. And so I'm cutting it up into different, yeah. Oh no, I'm cutting it up into different things. It goes, they do each movie at a time. So we set out there because part seven was the part that Dana has really enjoyed. Part seven was a lot of fun. It's basically uh, Jason versus Carrie. Pretty good. Wow. So, oh, I've never uh, seen. I've that, never seen that. Yeah, it's it's basic. It's it's. I mean, she's not Carrie, but that's basically what it is. And she kind of resurrects him out of the out of the. And that's my favorite Jason too, because he the way he looked, he was really cool. Anyway, uh, my wife really liked that one. So she was sitting out there with me while watching it. <laughs> It, nerd alert! I, I'm fine. I, like that's I totally nerd out about nerd out about this stuff. Absolutely, and maybe nobody else cares about it. But it was a really just cool experience, just sitting out there smoking the cigar. My wife was there. Once that, uh, once they were done talking about part seven, she left, and I finished my cigar and watched, you know, the rest of it. But it's a it's a damn fine smoke, and I think that would have done really well with this just onslaught of flavor. Once I was done with the uh, <clears throat> the coffee porter. I snuck away and I picked up this uh, Lagunitas uh, Willetized from uh, 2019, which is a coffee stout barrel aged in rye oak barrels. That was an, an awful lot of additional flavors. So even more so, I wanted a stronger cigar at that point. But everything was great. I really enjoyed it. Boys, back in the studio, who's coming on for uh, Smoke Night Live this Friday? Wait, Eric, Eric, I got to ask Eric a yes, question real quick, yes. though. Eric, what did you bring to IPCPR that one year that we had that beer there that was like a, it was oh, a, sta yeah, a yeah, Royal yeah. Stout? That was um, oh. the, um, what's that Russian thing, it, Jordan? Uh, the uh, Old Rasputin. Old Rasputin. Barrel-aged. Yes. Barrel-aged. Yeah. Amazing. Our that good, our good amazing. buddy, uh, Eddie Guzman, Eddie G on the dojo, he's a, he's a Hall of Famer. Randy, 
He's a Hall of Famer. And <laughs> he, he brought me some old Rasputin barrel age and, and was like, I, I gotta I gotta I gotta fly back today. What am I gonna do with all this beer? And so me and I brought it over to Fred and me and Fred just sat there at IPSPR and like drank it together. It was incredible. It was yes. so good. It was so good. It was a blast. I'm bummed. I'm really bummed that we're not gonna be able to do that this year. I know, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is a bummer. But I know, just hopefully had to change, it comes I changed my flights, canceled my hotel. I waited all the way to the last minute and you know, but we kind of knew 60 days out. They're like, there's just there's no way they're going to be able to have this event. Right. I don't want to end the show on a bummer, but that was that was a little bit of a, of a bummer. But we still get to do stuff like this, and it's maybe in a way this is a little bit better because everybody gets to experience it and and kind of pair along and join along with us, boys. Hey, Robbie, uh, Robbie, Robbie, about, Robbie. Wait, yeah. wait. You, I never answered the question. Sorry, my bad. That's why yeah. I was coming back. I got distracted. I got distracted. This Friday night, we are going to have the reviewers roundtable. Get this: Robbie will be back, Randy will be back, Bear Duplissa will be on the show, as will Kevin Acuff. Uh, Velarock cannot make it, so it'll be all of the dojo reviewers on the show at one time. Everybody who writes reviews for the dojo, and we're going to be talking about this, guys. Hidden gems. What are some cigars that are hidden oh, gems? Cigars right. that maybe like most people may or may oh, not know about, but they are better than you think. Like here's a cigar. Like oh, I like this, but it doesn't seem like anybody else likes this, or it doesn't seem like anybody else knows about this. So we're talking hidden gems. Also, we'll be talking about what are your favorite cigars that you have reviewed, and what are some of the cigars that fell flat. So all that this Friday night. Excellent. That's why I turned in a review this week. Yes. Boom. Uh, <laughs> so that you, so you can be qualified to actually attend to the show. Well, Jordan, Jordan actually sent me, and, and you guys don't know about this. And, and Jordan, I'm sorry to kind of put you on Front Street, but uh, you sent me a very threatening text saying that uh, if if I don't produce a review, you know, in the in the second quarter of this year, that I wouldn't be invited to the show. So I really wanted to be there on Friday. So I turned in my review, and now that, that's actually not true, but it would be even better. <laughs> Sounds good though. Now it was, it was a great um, review, well, and plus, guys, remember, Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest canceled, but that doesn't mean we're canceling the dojo party. So if you want to still fly in for the dojo party. Contact me offline, private message me. I'll hook you up with the, the hotel room block that we got set up. We're going to have a party on Friday night, the night before Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. And we're going to have the virtual version of the Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest right here. Robbie and Randy will be right here in studio along with Terrence Riley, along with Juan Cancel and Kevin Kaithen, along with some other cigar personalities. It's going to be absolutely an epic weekend phenomenal. of fun. It's going to be phenomenal. So if you want to come in, if you want to fly in, don't let all this stuff, you know, like scare you off. We're still going to be going full strength, and I can help you out. I can get you a nice little room block with a cheaper room. We'll have some fun. Uh, Randy's going to be barbecuing the whole time. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Awesome. Awesome. That's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll see you guys. Oh, actually, Randy, next week we're yes. starting – we are starting Corojo. That's the oh, next rapper man. that we're going. We, we just finished up on season two. We just finished. We're, season two is like we're, we're looking for the perfect pairing for each 
not each rapper, but like six specific rappers. So we went Connecticut first, and we so we, we already finished that up. We got this wild card episode, and now we're going into Corojo, and we will have another guest next week. So as so the way this is working out is we're going with a guest with at, every time we start a new rapper. Now I know last time we had two, the soccer thing was kind of that was kind of impromptu, but uh, we're going to go with a guest with the first uh, episode of each rapper, and this guest, Randy, I'm so excited. I went up over the weekend and I chiseled him off one. He's on my he's on my Mount Rushmore twice, right? But I, I, I chiseled him off my Mount Rushmore, and Dion Giolito is going to be our guest for Corojo because, I mean, he works with Corojo so so well, and uh, I'm still not sure what cigar we're going to be smoking. Probably going to be smoking the Hot Ten because holy crap, that cigar is so goddamn good. But. That's going to be next week. Dion will be in studio, not in studio, but he'll be uh, live with us. And uh, we're going to kick off Corojo, Randy. I'm really excited. We'll s- and that's going to be the kickoff of Corojo. I, I mean, are you fired up? Are you excited? You look a little nonplussed. <laughs> These are literally four of my favorite go-to cigars uh, all the time in the uh, hot, hot do 10. You want, do you want to give everybody the lineup? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to smoke the Hot 10, the Foundation, El Buense, the Aganorsa Leaf, uh, Buena Cosecha, and then we'll round it off with the godfather of Corojo himself with JRE Cigars and the uh, Corojo Reserva. And so, that's uh, such yeah. a lineup. That's and, a yeah. solid lineup. <laughs> Isn't it, that's right? A, that's a lineup. <laughs> wow. Do we have like, the uh, pairing next... for that first one? Uh, we don't. Okay. We don't yet. We, we have no yet. idea what we're pairing, but Rob will no. go live on Monday. To uh, let everybody know what the libation uh, will be. And just like uh, for the first rapper, we will do four different libations. We're going to try and mix in uh, non-alk uh, with each rapper. So um, we, uh, I, I've been hankering. Rob and I haven't really confirmed it, but I'm, I'm leaning towards like a, uh, a cream soda, possibly for the Corojo. That, 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 that one's uh, one I really have been wanting to try. Um, so, uh, so t- stay tuned in on Facebook to the Cigar Dojo page, and you'll uh, see the final announcement of that coming up this week. Beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, Corojo next week, Dion Giolito. We'll let you guys know what the pairing is uh, on this Monday. We'll see you guys again, apparently, on Friday. I made the cut, Randy. I'm excited. <laughs> this Friday is going to be a lot of fun on the dojo. Thanks again to everybody. Fred, thanks for, for joining us. It's always Thank awesome you. to chat with you. You're a ton, a ton of fun. Um, maybe we'll do this again. Maybe we'll uh, we might seek you out for another wild card episode. Absolutely, we can talk. About, Always look forward to it. We can talk it. more about uh, we can talk more about grilling and I don't and know. Maybe we'll do a, and 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 how these companies tell you that it's it, it's for your good, but it's a lie. That's my favorite chapter, hands down. <laughs> the the, the self serve def- lane, it's a lie. We are gonna we are gonna pair a uh, a, a Corojo wrap cigar with. Uh, I don't know, a build-yourself uh, storage unit in your closet? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the pairing is going to be. <laughs> uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you guys next Wednesday as the Odyssey continues.